championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything Lakers. Today, we've got a special guest joining us to talk a little Lakers basketball, Mark Medina from USA Today. Mark, how are you doing, man? Trevor, I am good. It's crazy how another NBA season's just around the corner, but here we are. It really is. And you know what? It's felt like it's kind of taken forever for a lot of fans out there, but at the same time, it's gone by pretty quick, too. It's been another short offseason, but as we were talking before we came on here, at least it was long enough for us to get a little bit of a break, a little bit of a recharge, and now we can fully dive back into basketball. Yeah, and I'm sure that the Lakers are going to feel that as well. I mean, as you know, when the Lakers won the 2020 NBA championship in the bubble, 71 days later is when uh, training camp started, and that was a very short turnaround. Guys weren't really able to get rested, uh, weren't able to clear their heads. Uh, it's challenging enough that there was still a pandemic going on. And here, while the Lakers obviously uh, were not happy with the fact that they lost in the first round of the Phoenix Suns, they thought that they could defend their NBA championship. There is an unintended silver lining about the fact that, you know, LeBron James and Anthony Davis, uh, most in particular, have a chance to rejuvenate their bodies and minds and, and get after it uh, with their offseason regimen. And that's something that those guys and the rest of the uh, the Lakers uh, supporting cast didn't really have that opportunity to do last season. So it'll be interesting to see how that factor plays out, as well as all the uh, the new faces that that will represent this team this year. Well, yeah, let, let's talk about those new faces, because when you look at this Lakers offseason, maybe a little bit of a surprise. Three players total. Three players came back from last season. The rest of the roster has been turned over. What did you think about what the Lakers front office did over the summer? You know, it was interesting, Trevor, because when the Lakers, after the Lakers lost in the first rounds, the Phoenix Suns, uh, I think the message from the front office coaching staff to the players was, hey, this is a one-off season. A lot of the, the season-long failures just had to do with the compressed nature of the season, mm -hmm. coming off the bubble, injuries, and that they would be totally content with running it back. Now, me knowing the Lakers, me knowing how opportunistic Rob Palenka is, I, I was surprised that they wouldn't make changes in the margins in the supporting cast because uh frankly even when you account for injuries with lebron james and anthony davis throughout the season uh there were a lot of uh you know some varying degrees of success a lot of varying degrees of hiccups most notably in the playoffs where uh there, there wasn't enough reinforcements to absorb those absences so i think because of that i thought the lakers were going to look to see what changes they can make via trade or free agency but i certainly did not expect that the changes would result in acquiring Russell Westbrook or signing Carmelo Anthony. And it's a lot of high risk, high reward. I've been on record at USA Today in different columns. And I think that the Russell Westbrook signing will work uh, as well as everything else. But there is a formula where this could blow up in their face when you're looking at asking a lot of guys that are accustomed to being the number one guy on the team to supplement their roles. And then also the age factor. I'm not going to be the millionth media guy to harp on the Lakers' age. I'm more optimistic than pessimistic about it, but just knowing how professional sports are, it can always be a factor as far as what it means with injuries and fatigue. So it's something to keep an eye on. But uh, if I had to make a guess, I think that the Lakers will benefit from the changes as opposed to uh, you know suffer hardships because of them.
Well, and that's been really, you hit on the two key questions that a lot of fans have had about the Lakers. Number one, Russell Westbrook, how does he get integrated into this roster and into the lineup? How do you mitigate his lack of three-point shooting or his struggles from behind the arc? And then number two, the age factor. So what's the, what does the path for success look like for the Lakers this year? How do you answer those two questions if you're going to get to that end goal of winning an 18th NBA championship? Well, I think the number one factor, this applies to all professional sports teams, but most notably with the Lakers, you need a healthy roster, most notably LeBron James and Anthony Davis. For better and for worse, how healthy and effective LeBron James and Anthony Davis are, they can you know, camouflage any problems. They can obviously make things easier for teammates. So that goes without saying. It's the same importance as it was their first two seasons together. How effective and uh, healthy can they be? Uh, I think the number two thing is, uh, I don't doubt the sincerity in guys like Russell Westbrook and Carmel Anthony and some of the other new pieces, a Wayne Ellington, uh, a Kendrick Nunn, are with buying in to their role and adjusting. But I think that there could also be tactical challenges when it comes to that. And the most notable example is Russell Westbrook. Um, I think that he's obviously at a stage of his career where he's accomplished a lot. He obviously set the record, the league record for most triple doubles, but he doesn't mm -hmm. have an NBA championship. I think he is eager to collect that ring and also dispel the narrative that he can't be a part of winning basketball. Uh, but I think that even if he has the right intentions, there are going to be tactical adjustments of how do you divide ball handling duties with him and LeBron James? How does he reduce uh, the weaknesses in his game with the three-point shooting? Do the Lakers have enough reinforcements? in some of the 3 and D guys that they got this offseason to offset Westbrook's weaknesses. So I think that the second factor is not only the buy-in, but how well tactically can everyone adjust their roles. Um, with all that, I think the Lakers are the championship favorites. I would pick them, but it's going to be a competitive landscape when you look at the Brooklyn Nets, when you look out west, the Phoenix Suns, I think, are still the real deal. Obviously, the Milwaukee Bucks you have to take uh, seriously after winning the NBA title. So mm -hmm. it's going to be challenging. Uh, but I think the Lakers obviously have what it takes to uh, to win another NBA title. Well, you know, you mentioned everybody kind of buying in, accepting their role, and that's that's what it's going to take. We think back to the 2020 title team, right? And obviously, that was a disjointed season and everything that that happened there. But they started the season off with their training camp in, in Vegas, their mini camp, and that's what's happening with this team here. And they had this mantra of be a star in your role. And I felt like they kind of got away from that last season. You didn't quite have that same chemistry. So I think one of the big questions is, can this year's team get back to that mentality? And I think that bringing back Dwight Howard and Rajon Rondo was a very specific, very calculated move to try to foster that type of mentality. How important do you think that's going to be? Having that kind of next man up, not worrying about your own minutes, self-sacrifice. How important is that going to be to the Lakers' overall success? Because we know the talent level is there, and sometimes talent wins out, even when the chemistry is not right. But how important will the chemistry be for this year's Lakers team? I think it's huge, because I think outside of LeBron James and Anthony Davis, everyone's role is going to be fluid. Uh, there's going to be times where... They're going to be in a role that all the players like in times where they're the odd man out. And no question, even if they're saying all the, the things they're supposed to say to enter training camp, uh, once the game sit and your competitive juices are flowing, um, you know that has a way of bringing full clarity of how much sacrifice are you willing to make. I think because of the collective experience with everyone and the fact that they know that this is a prime opportunity to win a ring, I am more bullish that 
that things will work out. But that's not to say there won't be hiccups along the way to figure that out. And I think when you look at last season, to your point, I, I think there were a lot of tough moving parts where there were guys, and I can just call a spade a spade. I think Donis Schroeder came into the uh, you know, his time with the Lakers not having mm-hmm. that mentality that was needed where he immediately established, hey, I want to be a starter. He's immediately talking about what his contract could be next season. And I, I thought that that was kind of misplaced priorities. And I know that the Lakers got a lot of criticism uh, as far as not bringing back the championship roster. And yeah. I think part of what the Lakers did this offseason you can look at it as a little bit of admittance that they made a mistake, and this is a mea culpa. But I don't necessarily think that Rob Palenka and the Lakers brass philosophically made the wrong decision in deciding, hey, let's go younger. Let's not bring everyone back from the title contending team. Because I think the circumstances that they were weighing was, look, this title contending team had a short turnaround. A lot of guys are experiencing burnout. Let's try to add some youth, some injection of energy that can help relieve guys like LeBron James and Anthony Mm -hmm. Davis make things easier. But I think it goes without saying that even though I don't disagree with that philosophy, I think that you can make the argument who they chose as the replacements weren't the best fit. Dennis Schroeder, Montres Harrell, Marcus Gasol. They all had different strengths and I think more weaknesses with how they fit on the team. Um, and so I think moving forward, they decide, you know what, let's stick with what we know. And let's also keep in mind that because there is now an extended off season where there won't be as much of those fatigue concerns, uh, that won't be as much of a challenge having an older roster. Well, and I think it's interesting. They caught criticism for changing too much of the roster after winning a championship and then respond to that criticism by changing almost the entire roster this year. But you're right, it is more of a step back towards veteran players rather than going young. But I also think that you're correct in that the process, the the thought process of going with guys like Dennis Schroeder, that was not wrong. That was not the, the incorrect thinking because if that works, if that hits, you've got a guy who fits Anthony Davis's timeline. Same thing with Montres Harrell. If those things work, You've got guys who fit AD's timeline moving forward. You've got younger players. Unfortunately, it did not work, and the Lakers have pivoted and adjusted on the fly. But that doesn't mean that the entire roster is old. And one guy specifically, you know, I, I made a joke about this on Twitter last night. Taylor Horton Tucker is not even 21. Minicamp is in Vegas, and Taylor Horton Tucker is still not 21 years old. And yet the Lakers gave him a big new contract this offseason. They paid him. He's now the fourth highest paid player. Now, there's a big gap, right? You've got your superstars, and then you've got veteran minimum guys at the other end of the spectrum. You've got Kendrick Nunn on the mini mid-level. But THT is now the fourth highest paid Laker on the roster. They're obviously expecting production out of him. What are you going to be looking for from Horton Tucker specifically this season? Can he really step up even though he is still just 20 years old? Yeah, I'm bullish on his potential. I think he's scratching the surface. And I think, you know, when young guys in particular get a vote of confidence in terms of an extension from a team, sometimes that leads to complacency. Sometimes that leads to more empowered play. And I think because of what Taylor Horton Tucker's talent is and his versatility as a defender and a scorer and an outside shooter, I think that he's going to use this to build off. Uh, of his you know previous seasons. And I think that because of how veteran-laden this team is, 
they're still going to need that injection of energy to preserve, you know, their veterans' legs. Um, and so I think it, it's a win-win. I expect really good things out of him. You know, it's it's not like he is going to have the pressure of having to produce on a night-to-night basis like LeBron James and Anthony Davis will, but he does. Uh, so he has some little bit of a security blanket with that. But I think that he has the expectation that hey, he needs to uh, be consistent with kind of the adage of we know what we're going to get at least a solid player on a night to night basis. Um, so I think that that was a great show of confidence. And I think, uh, the fact that while I disagree for the, with the Lakers, not retaining Alex Caruso because mm-hmm. it had more to do with financials than how they viewed him as a player, because he's a great energy guy, great defender, great chemistry with LeBron James. Right. I think the fact that, they did that also send a message to Taylor Horton Tucker that, Hey, they believe in what he can do to, uh, you know, I think mitigate that absence a little bit. Is THT the X factor for the Lakers this season? Is he the guy that if he raises his level of play, he can kind of raise the team to another tier? Sure. I, I mean, I, I can certainly agree with that premise. I would argue uh-huh. though, that the bigger X factor has to do with the collective chemistry with all the role players because mm-hmm. I think the way the team is assembled and because of the strengths and weaknesses of some of those role players, you're not you're never gonna get you're not gonna get the same guy flourishing on every single night. So are they able to find, you know, a, a really good continuity where on any given night one or two of the following combination of players does really well. Wayne Ellington, Trevor Reza, THT Dwight Howard, Kendrick Nunn, uh, you go down the line. And I think, you know, to expect either of those players, including THT, to always have a breakout game, it's probably asking much. Mm-hmm. And that's okay because they have LeBron James and Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook. Uh, but if you can have any combination of those guys, as well as Mello, he might have a supplemented role compared to his prime years, but there's also going to be times that they need him to score like he did in his prime. Any of those things are going to be an added bonus in its individual state, but collectively they're always going to need someone among that group to have a good game. Right. Somebody's going to have to step up each night. But like you said, there's a lot of different options to turn to. And a lot of guys who have a long history in the NBA of doing it. Taylor Horton Tucker, if he has an off night, that is the one comfort is that they've got a lot of other guys. You can say, hey, Carmelo, can you go get his 15 tonight? And you know that he's got the ability to do that. Uh, Mark, earlier you mentioned you've got the Lakers as your title favorite, and maybe that'll raise some eyebrows because around the NBA right now, the betting favorite to win the championship is the Brooklyn Nets. So I'm sure Lakers fans would love to hear. Why do you have the Lakers ahead of the Nets in terms of being your title favorites? Why do you think the Lakers would prevail in an NBA Finals against the two against uh, that opponent? Well, look. Uh, to be perfectly clear, when I'm making these picks, it's not enough comfort level to put money in Vegas. On sure. It. Uh, I don't. <laughs> Fair to be enough. clear, I, I'm not betting on sports games. I don't want to lose my money. I also don't want to compromise myself when I'm covering the league, but. Uh, so, I mean, that's how narrow the gap is, but if yeah. I had to choose, I think the Lakers have the edge for, uh, for one reason. I'm more optimistic that collectively that group can stay healthier than the Brooklyn Nets trio. While I think Kevin Durant is out of the woods as far as, uh, you know, his post Achilles, uh, injury and he's shown that 
I would argue he's the best player in the NBA right now. I don't have the same level of optimism with how healthy Kyrie Irving and James Harden can be. And you never know how that will play on the regular season, especially in the playoffs. And so while I certainly have that as a concern for the Lakers, I think, number one, because they had that first-round exit and that extended time off, I think you're going to see what LeBron James was like following his first season with the Lakers, where he had that groin injury, but he had a lot of time to recover there. He got into the MVP conversation, placed second behind Giannis. I think Anthony Davis is going to recover a lot as well. And then I think the supporting cast, I think that they're able to absorb any overlapping absences is a lot more than the Nets could to any of their big three. So that's where I'll put the edge. But honestly, you can really just flip a coin. It's If it's Brooklyn Nets, Los Angeles Lakers, seven-game series, you know, get some popcorn and soda and enjoy <laughs> I'll tell you what, if we get that series, you know who wins? It's the NBA. The oh, NBA wins if they, if they get that series in the end, because that would be absolutely fantastic. Uh, Mark, let, let's finish up with this. The Western Conference, a little bit of a mixed bag at this point. You've got an injury to Kawhi Leonard. You've got an injury to Jamal Murray that's knocked down a couple of teams, potentially in the Clippers and in the Nuggets. How do you see the West? Like, Who are the teams that you think could create a problem for the Lakers come playoff time in the Western Conference right now? Yeah, I think that it's the West is always crowded, but it's the kind of the game of musical chairs. Um, I think the Clippers and the Nuggets are still going to be competitive playoff teams. I think the Nuggets in particular have shown uh, a really good resiliency and just making most with what they have. Even with Jamal Murray's injury, they had a lot of continuity with keeping everyone uh, on this roster. Uh, with the Clippers... You know, I don't think Kawhi Leonard's going to play, but you know, for what it's worth, Steve Ballmer, the Clippers owner, told me uh, recently that he hasn't been entirely ruled out and still a possibility. But regardless, I think Paul George elevated his game last year, but I don't think it's enough to scare the Lakers. I think the teams that could be a threat to the Lakers in the West, you look at the Phoenix Suns, they brought their main big three back, Chris Paul re-signing. Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton continuing to blossom as young players. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, covering the NBA Finals and seeing them, they weren't a uh, just a beneficiary of the Lakers and the Clippers and the Jazz just losing the, you know, having injuries in the playoffs. They are the real deal and they feel like they're just getting started. Um, and then, you know, the Golden State Warriors are on the rise. Clay Thompson's probably not going to open the season, but, you know, you have a healthy Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Andre Guadalla back. You have Clay at some point in the season. They could be another team. But I still put the Lakers ahead of those guys because they, I think, will have a healthy LeBron and a healthy AD. I agree. I've got the Lakers in a tier on their own at the top of the Western Conference, but there are some teams out there that could definitely give them a run. Going to be really interesting to see how things shake out, though. Can the Clippers stay afloat? What happens with Denver? Uh, the Utah, they had a fantastic season last year. Can they continue to play at a high level and then rectify their playoff woes this season? A lot of interesting storylines in the Western Conference. We can't wait for it to start. We've got preseason kicking off October 3rd. We've got media day coming up on the 28th. It's almost here. The NBA season is just about back. Mark, I got to thank you for spending this time here with us. Appreciate it. Uh, do you have anything anything that you want to uh, talk about that's coming up for USA Today? Anything that uh, that you're really excited about? Yeah, we're uh, you know just working on training camp stories, getting ready mm -hmm. for training camp. Uh, I would say probably the only things I'd add are just the plugs. You know, work for USA Today, so 
you know, there's still newspapers that you can buy. We got a website, usaday.com, and the social media handles, Mark G underscore Medina, uh, Instagram, Medina Syracuse, M-E-D-I-N-A-S-Y-R-A-C-U-S-E. So if you follow all those uh, things, uh, you'll get a plenty of NBA fix, including a lot of Lakers coverage. That's right, guys. Make sure you go follow Mark at all of those places. And Lakers Nation, appreciate you guys joining us. Don't forget, subscribe right here to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel and ring the notification bell as well. Till next time, stay safe and see you.